Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Ladies Promoting Transparent Advocacy Podcast. I am your podcast host, Shay Pate. Today is Friday, and yes, it is a fantastic Fellows Friday. And I want to talk about a person that I just happen to be, as usual, flipping through the channels. And I saw this gentleman on a news station in Detroit. And the thing that was really interesting to me is that he was talking about an hour-long series he will be doing called Hidden Bias of Good People. And so I thought, you know what? Let me check this out. I went online and found some clips he did um, from the show, and it was such a success. I just found out today that they're going to do an encore of the presentation. Obviously, a lot of people thought it was very, very informative. And I said, let me look into this gentleman named Dr. Bryant T. Marks Jun excuse me, Marks Sr. And I found out that he is right here in Atlanta. He teaches at Morehouse College and also was a graduate from Morehouse. Now, I was really interested in seeing what this man was about and what he had to say. And I found out the Dr. Marks is also the founder and chief equity officer of the National Training Institute on Race and Equality. And as I said, he's also a professor in the Department of Psychology at Morehouse College here in Atlanta. So I said, you know what? We are at a new stage in life, hopefully. I mean, all the negativity is still out there, but I'm hoping with the new presidency and people trying to get uh, COVID under control, which means that hopefully soon we'll start um, communicating with people in person. And there's a lot of bias that's out there. And I thought maybe this episode would be a good one. So Fantastic Fellows Friday is going to not only celebrate Dr. Marks, but we're going to talk about the word bias. And I want you guys to listen to Dr. Marks talk about the hidden bias in good people because your bias doesn't mean you're a bad person. But one of the things I do want to make sure that we cover is that we talk about um, bias in the terms of prejudice and also implicit bias. So let's get the show started. Before I play the clip that I mentioned about Dr. Marks being on the news in Detroit, I want to read the definition of bias so that people can really understand the official definition. Bias is described as prejudice in favor of or against one thing, person, or group compared with another, usually in a way considered to be unfair. So keep that in mind. And I want you guys, as I said, I want you guys to listen to just a snippet of this article, um, this conversation this gentleman, Dr. Marks, was having on the news. And it's pretty telling. 
So check them out. Dr. Marks, thanks so much for having this conversation with us. And, and right now, there are so many discussions happening about race and bias, good, bad, and uncomfortable. So why is it that we need to have these conversations right now in the space? Well, I think as a country, even just if you look at the last year, uh, it's been a lot going on. So the virus has had differential impact in terms of cases and hospitalizations and deaths by race and ethnicity. Uh, we've had civil unrest related to George Floyd, Breonna Taylor. We had a divisive political season. So a lot's going on. And I think that questions are arising in ways and at levels they haven't in the past. So, for example, after the George Floyd uh, situation, many of our partners, uh, corporate uh, Fortune 500s, as well as nonprofits and so forth, uh, we're reaching out like, look, we want to take a stance on social justice. Uh, we're going to have conversations internally amongst our employees around these topics. And so we were partnering with them as they drafted memos to send out. And it seems like organizations in, in, are, are talking about race racism, sex, sexism, social justice at a level that I haven't seen at least in the past uh, 25 years that I've been doing this work, uh, which is good. But these conversations, when they become deep, can become uncomfortable. And so guiding our partners and having have these conversations without it being threatening, without folks becoming defensive, uh, based upon, um, we want it to be based upon empathy and humanity, not guilt, shame, and blame. So we, we think we're at a time where we can have these, these conversations uh, in an effective manner. But our country needs some healing, given everything that's going on recently. And can people really change? I mean, are there situations where people have implicit bias that maybe most people haven't necessarily thought about or considered? Uh, yeah, I mean, so the thing about implicit bias, it's it's sort of a byproduct of a natural brain functioning, right? So as you live your life, you take in a world, you take in a world, some, some things you take in repeatedly. So if I said to you, police officer, and you think male, well, about 88 to 90% of police officers in the U.S. are men. You're not sexist, but you associate police with men due to repeated exposure. If I say nurse, you may think female. A significant or majority of nurses are female. So there's certain things you're overexposed to just as you live life, and your mind is going to lock in those associations. You will not know when it happens. But when it does, the seed for implicit bias is planted. It may blossom, it may not, but it's there. And it sort of applies to everyone. Also, we all belong to groups, family, race, gender, your neighborhood, your alma mater, we all belong to groups. And it's typical for human beings to treat their in-group members slightly or much better than out-group members. It's normal we all do that. For example, if you take your loved one to the airport at 4 o'clock in the morning, then I do that for a stranger off the street. Right? Technically, that's differential treatment of another human being based upon the group to which you belong. It's a form of bias. It's different. But we understand, okay, that person can be a serial killer, axe murder. But if you were to hire your loved one at work, when there's 10 other people more qualified, you do that again and again and again, that's a problem, okay? So favor your in-group, normal, we all do it. But it becomes a problem when your in-group favoritism begins to systematically disadvantage and out-group. Is there a story you can share about how your talks, and you've given so many, but how they have made a difference or a change in someone's life? Yeah, so we get, we get a lot of, uh, we conduct evaluations afterwards and we get positive feedback, generally speaking. But we'll get these emails um, pretty frequently where people say, you know, uh, remember, we also train a lot of police officers, train over 32,000 police officers in the last few years. So sometimes a police officer will reach out, which is almost unheard of following a training. But they'll say, hey, you know, I was a bit skeptical in your training, but I was on the street the other day 
and you know, a situation where something happened and something you said in your training clicked and it helped me in that situation. So those sorts of things we love to hear. I mean, it's anecdotal, uh, but we love to hear. Uh, we, we've gotten somewhere, I was, there was a, a, a white woman in the Midwest, I won't say what organization we trained, but she emailed afterwards, it's like, this, this changed my perspective. Like, I hadn't thought about things that you raised, I hadn't thought about race and racism in the, in the, in the history of the U.S., the way you talked about it. I hadn't thought about the privilege that I may have. So she was very effusive and, and expressive in describing how it impacted her. Said that she had begun having conversations with her family, with her friends and her co-workers about the content that was shared. And that she wants to be involved in, in, in making the world better in some social justice movement in a concrete way. So that sort of thing can happen. Um, but we, we still, as a scientist, we, we do want to see organizations change to the point where outcomes, the needles being moved in a significant way. We haven't seen that in with the patterns or the frequency that we like just yet. But there are some promising practices out there that we, we feel pretty good about. And I know that you've been here to Colorado many times to talk to groups about bias and implicit bias in education and law enforcement, as you mentioned, with police officers. A lot of the tensions we've seen in the past year here in Denver and across the country have involved clashes with police, involving people and police officers with bias. So what conversations in these areas do you think we need to be having? Well, the conversation is the key. What we find during this we National Training Institute of Race and Equity at Morass College. So what we do, what we find with our police work and community work is a lack of communication. Community members are, are talking to police and vice versa in a space where they're open. They, they come to the table saying, look, I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to understand your perspective. I'm going to express mine too, but I want to understand your perspective. To me, to this way, that is the most significant challenge, a lack of communication. Without communication, you cannot have understanding. By talking to police, I've come to understand them. Once I can understand them, I can empathize with them. We can't even get to the point of understanding, like, for example, the continuum of force. That's sort of a difficult thing for many people to understand. I was doing a training, I won't say where, I was in a, a training facility for a large urban police department. It was in the, in the West Coast. And... In a training facility, you know, they're learning these hand, hand and body, you know, holds and moves and that sort of thing. And it looks rough when police have to take somebody down physically. It looks rough, right? Like slamming them, grabbing them, and all that. It looks pretty bad. Especially if it's on the street and you're seeing this YouTube video and all that. And I was like, man, that's, you all are pretty rough. And it was like, well, the better we are at hands and body, the less likely we are to escalate up a continuum of force. I said, what do you mean? They said, well, if, if, um, if I can handle a situation with my hands in, in my body, I would have to use pepper spray. And I have to use a weapon. I never thought about it like that. And they would say, my ability to do this well could save somebody's life. Okay. That's really tricky because sometimes visually it looks excessive. It looks horrible. It looks aggressive. I understand. Right? But if the, the psychology is, if I can subdue it like this, I don't have to pull out my gun. I never understood it that way until I had a conversation with police. Right? So once I've understood, I can sort of empathize and say, wow, that could be a tough choice. You don't want to be excessive physically, but also, I mean, you don't want to have to go up the continuum unnecessarily. So that level of empathy came through understanding and communication. So if community leaders, um, they don't have to be just, you know, the big pastors and preachers. It could be folks who have influence. But if folks from the community come to the table with an open mind, folks in policing come to the table with an open mind and don't dismiss the community out of hand, they don't know what it's like, they don't understand us. Both come to open mind, that can work. Okay, but um, it can be tough. It can be tough. Definitely. I know you're a father, so how do you take all of these conversations 
and and apply those to our children. What do you teach your children? How do we teach our own children? Yeah, so a lot of times we work with parent groups and even K through twelve uh, uh, public schools, uh, not public schools, just educate, educators. And I say, well, how do we de-bias our kids? How do we make sure they're not biased? Well, we, we sort of split it up into two categories. If your kids on the younger end, maybe nine, ten years or younger, we just we, we lean towards balance of exposure, right? What they're reading, what they're watching, the TV shows, the movies. Show them a diversity of characters playing the leading roles, right? So the prince or the princess or the hero can look black, white, Hispanic, Asian, whatever, um, as well as the villain, right? Um, but have a balance. And we live in a time now where we have so many options in terms of media to consume. Um, so, you know, bunch of cable channels, on demand, Netflix, YouTube, Hulu. I mean, we can watch what we want, when we want. So be intentional about saying, okay, we want to sort of show, show them these images in a balanced way. Same thing with books, um, same things with other, other type of media for the younger kids. And once they become into like middle school, a little older, and they can understand the history of different groups in this country and what that can mean. And you can start to talk to them in, in, in a more uh, nuanced or complex manner. And what you want to do is expose them to the achievements of many different groups. You say, yes, in the U.S., not all groups have been treated the same, but many of these groups have made positive contributions. So there's good in every group, right? And highlight that in a way that's... Um, and deeper than the surface, you know, you know, Martin Luther King, Black History Month on the surface, you want to go deeper than that, okay? Because many different races and ethnicities have contributed to advancing American society. We need to have a deeper understanding of that. So younger ages, balance of exposure, older ages, deeper education, and really pushing our young people to say, well, why do you choose, if you're in middle school or high school, who's in your group? And what was the basis for inclusion or exclusion? Is because they were smart, or they played a sport, or they have a certain month, uh, they have a certain socioeconomic status. Because cliques, those groups start around that middle school uh, age, and they know how to form in groups and out groups. They do it anyway. But it's interesting to talk to them about the basis of inclusion and exclusion. You'll start to hear some of their biases coming out. I know a lot of what you teach people is part of a 60-minute special that will air right here on Denver 7. What will you be sharing with those who watch? And what do you want those takeaways to be? Uh, well, I'm going to walk, take them through a journey. Uh, what is implicit bias? How does it impact us? What does it look like in the real world? What are some promising practices for uh, addressing them? So we'll go through that process. you got to tune in to see. But some of the key takeaways, these are universal human principles that apply to all of us. As long as human beings exist, they will have both implicit and explicit bias, not going away. Okay? Uh, but there are things that you can do um, in the best interest of your personal development and your organizations to try to reduce the likelihood of your biases playing out systemically. So we'll talk about that. We will talk about um, sort of some aspects of U.S. society currently and historically uh, that have been challenging. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to push. We're going to provoke some thought. Uh, but it's out of love and out of inclusion. You know, we're not guilt, shame, and blame, and heavy-handed in that sort of sense. We work through empathy and, and our humanity. So you will be challenged, but I think you will learn something, and it should provoke some thought and conversation amongst your friends and family and your coworkers. Because you have said that bias is just part of nature. So what can parents, teachers, other adults do to to, to open our eyes, to, to maybe realize that we need to be having these conversations? Yeah, I, I think just a, a willingness to acknowledge in our society, different groups exist and there are different traits associated with those different groups. If you just acknowledge that, then if you have different input, you're going to have different output. 
So the histories of different people in this country vary. And some folks were indigenous and their land was taken from them. Some folks were brought here as slaves. Some folks came as refugees. Some folks came here voluntarily, right? So we're here, but we came here under different circumstances and have different paths. Our, our willingness to own that and acknowledge with those different paths, they're going to be different outcomes, okay? And then we can have a real authentic conversation. But if we're in denial on over all American, you know, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps, that sounds romantic, that sounds nice, but from a practical perspective, that's not realistic. And so the tough conversation is to acknowledge everybody is not the same in terms of how they came here and how they perceive over time. Let's own that. Let's own the fact that they're perceived differently. So now moving forward, what can we do to address those differences in a way that's inclusive and equitable going forward? So those are the sorts of things uh, we want folks to think about uh, and take away. And if there, final question here, if, if someone watches and leaves with one new idea, just one new idea or thought on bias, what should it be? What new idea? Um, oh, I don't want to give this one away. I mean, it's just, there's going to be a few aha moments. And I, I think one is understanding how prevalent it is. Folks, the implicit bias, this stuff is in the air. And we're all inhaling. So if they can take that away, they'll be better for it. You got to tune in to see the rest. We're looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Dr. Marks. Appreciate it. Well, now, as I mentioned, this program, actually, I recorded it as I was watching it. And that specific recording actually was from a Denver News 7. But there's a Detroit News 7 that was talking about it as well. And all my sources are on the bottom of the narratives on the podcast shows. So I apologize. I said um, Detroit, but it is it was aired in Detroit as well. And as a matter of fact, it was aired in a whole bunch of cities that I'm not sure why I didn't see it in Atlanta because it was a big deal, obviously. So I apologize, but I mentioned as um, as I mentioned, all my sources are in the narrative. So that specific recording was in Denver. But Dr. Marks talks about, you know, the subject matter of his special was called, excuse me, hidden bias of good people. And as he was saying, a lot of good people are biased and unknowingly. And I noticed that he mentioned implicit bias. Implicit bias has come up a lot. And I know in my firm, we talk about diversity and bias is always mentioned. So I decided, since we always say perception is everything, I decided to do some research. And lo and behold, I found an organization and the uh, website address is called perception.org. And I found an article that I thought was interesting, and it's entitled Implicit Bias. So I want to read a little bit of the article to you guys. And it asks, what is implicit bias? And it says the thoughts and feelings are implicit if we are unaware of them or mistaken about their nature. We have a bias when, rather than being neutral, we have a preference for or aversion to a person or group of people. Now, let me stop you with that because let me tell you what I've learned 
just in the work environment. And I'm sure most offices, no matter whether in, excuse me, most organizations, whether you're in an office or dealing with the people, whether you're working in the stores, I mean, when you're in an organization, you have to interact with your coworkers. And it's so funny when I read this sentence, I say it, wow, that happens at my job all the time. And I'm talking about where it said that we have a preference for or aversion to a person or group of people. And I would notice certain situations where we had something firm, why all the black people sit with black people, all the Asians sit with Asians, not always, but a percentage is large. And that's an example of a preference. And it's unconscious. You may just want to sit with your girl or your guy. And they just happen to be the same race or gender as you. And we don't even look at that as being biased. We look at that as sitting with our friend. But perception is everything. So I just want you guys to be conscious of that in the future. But let me finish talking about what implicit bias is. Thus, we use the term implicit bias to describe when we have attitudes towards people or associate stereotypes with them without our conscious knowledge. And so that describes what I just said, because there's many times I'll sit with my friends who are black and they're just because they're my friends. But I have been in situations where I would notice all the blacks on one side of the room, all the whites on the other side when I come in the room. So sometimes what I would do is intentionally go sit on the all white side so that we wouldn't look like we're a gang, you know, up to something because we're all black on one side. And I would have friends on the white side too. Don't, don't misunderstand that. But I would be conscious of it because it would look like, Oh, what is this blacks against the whites? And it's not even that it's just looking at the people they were sitting with their friends. So I try to consciously not do that. I mean, sometimes depending on the circumstances and the location, I do that consciously <laughs> for, for feeling safer. I'm going to just be honest with you. But that is a really good point because it does say we do stuff without our conscious knowledge. The fairly commonplace example of this is seen in studies that show that white people will frequently associate criminality with black people without even realizing they're doing it. Now, that's an interesting comment because unfortunately, in the last couple of years, white people are associating criminality with black people knowingly. You know that phrase we call them Karens? Those are knowingly situations. So I wanted to read what they said implicit bias is. And then I want to just continue this article that I found on perception.org, which you can go to. And it asks, why does implicit bias matter? And it says the mind sciences have found that most of our actions occur without our conscious thoughts, allowing us to function in our extraordinary complex world. This means, however, that our implicit biases often predict how we'll behave more accurately, see that? More accurately than our conscious values. Multiple studies have also found that those with higher implicit bias levels against black people, ooh, 
are more likely to categorize non-weapons as weapons, such as a phone for a gun or comb for a knife. And in computer simulations are more likely to shoot an unarmed person, which we've heard that many, many times when white cops have gunned down our black people. Similarly, white physicians who implicitly associated black patients with being less cooperative were less likely to refer black patients with acute coronary symptoms for thrombo uh -oh, thrombolysis for specific medical care. Now, I don't know what that word means, so y'all can look that up because I don't get that part. But anyway, let's talk about solutions. This article says, what can be done about it? They say that social scientists are in the early stages of determining how to de-bias. Oh, that's a good word. It is clear that media and culture makers have a role to play by ceasing to perpetuate stereotypes in news and popular culture. In the meantime, institutions and individuals can identify risk areas where our implicit biases may affect our behaviors and judgments. Instituting specific procedures of decision-making and encouraging people to be more mindful of the risk of implicit bias can help us avoid acting according to biases that are contrary to our conscious values and beliefs. Wow. You know, that's a good, I don't know if you guys are into doing a lot of reading, but if you want to learn more about bias, I suggest you go to perception.org. And it's so funny because on that same website, there was a little square that just kept popping up. And I said, what is this they're trying to get me involved in? <laughs> so I decided to print the square out and listen to what it says. If you're interested, join us and and the radical transformation of our society. The nation's attention is turned to the tragedies of losing black lives. For people who share affinity with those whose lives have been lost, these experiences can be acutely ooh, reminiscent of abuse and harm that has transcended generations. For others, the conversation may be entirely new. Many are wondering what to do or where to start. So they're suggesting that you try coming to Perception. And you can go to perception.org to find out more. And they say, at Perception, we believe that Black Lives Matter and are committed to supporting the work to address systematic racism and structural oppression. We share insights and strategy from the mind sciences that serve to align interpersonal and institutional behaviors with values of equity. And then they invite us to help be a part of them and to join them. And then you can find out all the details on their website. So 
Today, my whole point in celebrating Dr. Marks is, as I said, I was flipping through channels and saw this special. Now, I just recorded the temporary interview that you heard, but it's a one-hour special. And when I look, and as the woman says, she was in Denver, but I also found it on a Detroit news station, and it's in a lot of different cities. So you might want to go Google Dr. Bryant Marks Sr., and you can find all the different videos. I mean, actually, he's been doing this for a while because I found videos on this exact same subject that he did over a year ago and a couple years ago. So if you really want to change your thinking or understand other people's thinking, always remember, which I've been told my whole life, especially professional life, that perception is everything you can be something but if you're perceived as something else that's what's going to stick so if you're interested in changing your perspective or learning someone else's perspective and not be biased i suggest that you check out some of these websites to can teach you how to do that and i'm hoping just this small episode will help someone reconsider how they think and see if we can share the information so that we can try to get the world back on track with being decent. And we ain't got to be best friends, but in America, I hope we can all get along because we're so divided. And it's all based on a lot of things, but it's mainly based on racism and lies. And it's so unfortunate, but a lot of the lies are based on biases. So keep that in mind. And as I always tell you, and ladies promoting transparent advocacy, we are always trying to be the bridge. And we're, we're listed as a social and cultural organization on our uh, podcast. But as I always add to it, we're also listed as accountability people. We want to hold politicians and companies accountable for how they treat people and especially especially how they treat people of color. We have to make people accountable for their actions and learning about biases that we all have, not just white people, not just black people, Asian, Latino, it's all of us. We all have biases. And even if they're unconscious, they are perceived by other people. So keep that in mind, and I'm going to close out this episode, and I ask you guys to follow me on Twitter at Advocacy Ladies. That's capital A as in Advocacy, capital L as in Ladies, and you can definitely download us on any of the podcast channels, and I ask that you follow me once you download me. And you don't have to listen to every episode, but we have over 85 episodes of different topics that you might be interested in. So go through the different episodes and see if there's anything you're interested in. And everything is not about uh, African-Americans. Everything's not about politics. It's about a lot of things. But what I try to do is talk about things that are affecting our everyday lives right now. So I always say, if you have any questions or comments, send us an email at podcasthostshapepotay19 at gmail.com. And those are all small letters. And you can always give us a call on our call-in line and leave a message at 404-855-7723. 
And you know I like to end all my episodes with the question, what do you have to say? Thank you for listening. Have a great, safe weekend. Put the mask on. I mean, if you're in Mississippi, Texas, and the states that are not mandating masks, I still suggest that you put the mask on if you haven't had the vaccine. And I remind you that Monday, I am not doing Monday episodes until May 1st, but I do want you guys to check out some of the previous episodes and see if there's something that you are interested in listening to. So, as I said, thank you for listening.